You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Yeah, Sportsnet Today continues here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Find me on Twitter at Fan960Logan. Busy hour one in the books. All things Calgary Flames. Looking back on a 6-3 win over Nashville on Thursday. And getting you set for their next opponent, the Philadelphia Flyers. If you missed any of it, check us out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. We'd love to have you along for the ride. We're coming at you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, cracked foundation, Boeing foundation walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems for all things basement-y. Visit DL Basement Systems. Dot com Fan feedback line always open to you. Shoot a text at 960-960. Get to the text line in a little bit, but right now, very happy to kick off the hour. Looking ahead to the regular season finale for NFL football. Week 18 starts on Saturday with the Steelers and the Ravens. We got a ton to talk about with our next guest. He is, of course, the host of the fan check down on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese joins us this afternoon. Maddie, Happy New Year. How are you, pal? Happy New Year to you. I feel like we have not spoken in like a month because I was sick <laughs> for a bit and then you were off and I'm grinding through again, but I'm here because I said, you know what? I got to talk to Logo. So I'm here. We're going to grind it out and it, we're going to have a lot of fun because boy, oh boy, uh, this is going to be an interesting weekend. It sure is. I appreciate you uh, you grinding it out for us, pal. Really do. Uh, I know it's a lot when you got your own show and then someone else is asking on. So appreciate you. Uh, oh no, not that, <laughs> not that, not that, buddy, not that. My kid's been sick for like two weeks, oh. and I thought I was over it, and she passed it along to me. These darn kids, <laughs> every time. It's a tough one, man. But uh, uh, you, I'm glad to hear you're doing a little bit better. Hopefully, not too much longer on the mend there. But uh, hopefully, you get some time to watch some football this weekend because we got a, a ton to look forward to. While there are games that mean absolutely nothing, and uh, absolutely nobody's playing. The games that do mean something are really, really intriguing, Maddie. And the NFL's got to love this playoff format and how it's worked out for Week 18 because starting with the Steelers and the Ravens on Saturday, there's a couple of these games that I am very, very interested in. Yeah, I mean, you know, Donovan and I had this conversation over the course of the year, and and we had it with James Brown from from NFL and CBS. And I asked him, I said, like, is this rewarding mediocrity by adding the other team? Because there are a bunch of teams that let's face it. I don't think anybody thought Indianapolis was going to be in this position. I don't think a lot of people thought Houston was going to be in this position. And I'm not trying to take anything away from the seasons they've had because they've been great. I was worried about, well, are kind of bad teams going to get into the playoffs. And honestly, I don't even care anymore because this theater that has been the NFL regular season has been great. Like if I'm not mistaken, I think there's six teams fighting for two playoff spots in the NFC and five teams fighting for three spots in the AFC going into week 18. I don't know that you could have asked for a better storyline going forward. Like this is, this is as good as it gets. You've got, you know, win and win or go home games. You've got win and you can win a division. And you know, if the other team doesn't win, 
maybe they don't get into the playoffs. You've got teams that we thought were out of it, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are right back in it. And then you could talk about, you know, the the NFC South is still up for grabs and two teams can still get in from there. I, I think the theater is it's better than anything the NFL could have even dreamed up, even when they write the script at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and having the the opportunity to sort of pick which games go when on the final week for sure just sort of adds to it because now all of a sudden Sunday night, you know everyone's going to be tuned into the Bills and the Dolphins. You're kicking things off Saturday with two games that mean a ton in the AFC playoff picture. Uh, it's as if, you know, this is the cherry on top for the NFL that already dominates TV ratings on a weekly basis, Maddie. I can't wait to find out just how much more they dominate on, say, Saturday and Sunday night when those ratings do come out next week. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, the, could you have ever imagined a Houston and Indy game on a Saturday night in, we, you know, the last week of the season where it means, you know, win or go home without names like Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning and Deshaun Watson and go down the list? Like, never thought that we'd be in this position, and yet here we are. Like, I think this is great, and and I I like that you brought up the fact that everything was not predetermined on time, which would be very foolish of the NFL to do so. But when you look at how it's all played out, it, it's it's kind of perfect. I mean, the you could make the argument that maybe they should have put Bears Packers on the Saturday, but Ravens Steelers is fine. I mean, you don't have the marquee matchup because. Lamar Jackson's not playing and and a a few of the starters will probably be rested. But as a Bills fan, um, I'm very happy that that game is on Saturday because I could know by Saturday at 730 (laughs) if my team is going to be going to the playoffs. Now, I could also see that, well, that didn't go their way and have to sweat it out the rest of the day on Sunday. But no, I I think it's, it's worked out perfectly. I think the Saturday night game, I mean, it was kind of a no-brainer choice. It's, again, another one of those win-and-you're-in games, but it's for both teams, which isn't anywhere else. Like, the Dolphins and Bills game is win-and-you-win-the-division, and for Buffalo, if you lose, well, you might not get in. Yeah. Miami's already home and cooled. So, no, the I think the Houston Indy game, that might end up being the best game of the weekend, and not to take anything away from Bills Dolphins, but Miami's really banged up. So, C.J. Stroud's a big moment for him because – as far as I'm concerned, he kind of fell behind Puka Nakua in that offensive rookie of the year race um, because he missed two weeks. And if he had played those two weeks, maybe he runs away with it. Hey, maybe he's in the MVP conversation. Um, but yeah, I think the Saturday game is going to be a lot of fun. The fact that Houston is favored by one point on the road in Indy, <laughs> mm, that's very interesting to me too. It sure is. And the only thing that that irks me, I don't even say irks probably the wrong word for me. The only thing that maybe I'm wishing that that game between the Colts and the Texans, wouldn't it be so much fun? And I, I hate to dismantle Gardner Minshew because I love the guy and he's just such a, a gamer every time he's out there. But man, Anthony Richardson versus CJ Stroud would have been so much fun. Oh, 100%. But here's where I here's where I, I kind of go back and forth on this. Like, I don't know if, if the Colts would... Oh, man, this is going to sound so weird, but... I don't know that the Colts would be where they are if Anthony Richardson was there. Like there was going to be growing pains for him. And while yes, there were definitely some pain for Colts fans throughout the season with, you know, Gardner Minshew as the quarterback, it's you don't know that they would have been, hey, maybe the Colts would have been that much better. Maybe they would have 
you know, already had the division clinch because certainly the Jags didn't run away with it. Maybe Houston would be, you know, ahead because, you know, they didn't have to start uh, Case Keenum and Davis Mills in two games like that. So that's kind of where I'm at. But you know what it tells us? It tells us that the future of that division at quarterback is going to be a lot of fun. It's CJ Stroud. It's Anthony Richardson. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence has certainly had his growing pains and I'm not ready to put him in an elite category yet and not even close, frankly, but Trevor Lawrence is there. Will Levis has shown some signs of being a good quarterback like that division for the longest time was the one that, you know, it was, it was the worst division in the AFC almost always. And now you look at it and go, the future of that division at quarterback is pretty bright. It sure is. And it, it feels like this might just be the first time that we talk about uh, a couple of these AFC South teams battling for a playoff spot down the stretch quickly on the, the first Saturday game, uh, you know, the Ravens don't have much to play for in this, but I guess going back to last week, cause we didn't have a chance to talk, but that win over the dolphins, did that really solidify for you that the Ravens are the team to beat when it comes to the AFC and, and the, you know, the path to the super bowl through the, the AFC conference. Yeah. It's really hard to bet against them right now, isn't it? Yeah. Like they, they went out and they thrashed the dolphins and I've had dolphins fans in my mentions. Uh, Derek wills do not DM me, please. <laughs> um, I will be sending out my regular uh, good morning to all Bills fans and Bills Mafia and good morning to everyone except Miami Dolphins and their fans. <laughs> but however, uh, and Dolphins fans are trying to make excuses to me like, well, you know, uh, they didn't have Mostert and Bradley. Well, Bradley Trump got hurt at the end of the game and they didn't have Jalen Waddle. And yeah, you know, they didn't play well. And OK, that's fine. But they haven't played well against 500 teams basically all year. Um, they're one and four against them. That's that's not a good record. Uh, but for Baltimore to go out in a game that meant something for both teams, like let's not let's not forget that that game meant something to the Miami Dolphins. They still had a shot at the number one seed, and well, they didn't get it because they got absolutely trounced. Baltimore plays kind of an old school defense style, and and, and I say that in the way of it's the guys that they've you know surrounded that defense with it's it's the Patrick Queens the Roquan Smith Justin Matabike Kyle Hamilton like these guys are nasty and these guys will punch you in the mouth and then you you know for the most part teams don't get up and when you look at some of the signature wins that they've had like they've gone out and absolutely dominated you know they went out and they they handled the Niners. They smoked the Seahawks when people were like, oh, maybe the Seahawks are pretty good. And then they hammer the Dolphins. And so I, I just look at it and say, I don't know if the, the two teams that I think match up well against the Baltimore Ravens, one of them may not make it, and that's the Bills. The other one is the Cleveland Browns because they play the same way. They have a defense that can punch you in the mouth too. So I... I it's, it's hard for me to say that there is a better team in the AFC. And I've been saying that for a while. Like they can run the ball, even without JK Dobbins or Keaton Mitchell, they can run the ball effectively. Lamar's clearly proven his worth as a passer. He's done a very good job this year. This is why he's going to win the MVP because he certainly didn't do it with his legs. So I think that, that this is a, this is a team that is primed for a long Super Bowl type run here outside of Lamar turning into a pumpkin, which we have seen him do in the playoffs. Um, I think when Lamar has matured as a player enough that I think we can kind of put that one behind us. I think they're primed for a, a long run here. Uh, staying in that division, if I had told you that the Browns would be resting their starters 
in the regular season finale with Joe Flacco as their starter. Uh, if I told you that even two months ago, what do you think your reaction would have been to that? Uh, the, my reaction would have been the Browns ownership group is very cheap and they don't want to pay out bonuses <laughs> because the season's already over and these guys have, <laughs> you know, bonuses to pay, play for That's really what I would have said. Joe Flacco, if Joe Flacco, like this is a, it's so bizarre that we live in this world where Joe Flacco was literally picked up off the scrap heap. Okay. Nobody wanted him. The New York Jets could have had him. Where would the New York Jets be right now had oh. they had Joe Flacco? Um, the Minnesota Vikings could have had Joe Flacco. And you could go down the list of all sorts of teams that had quarterback issues that could have had Joe Flacco and maybe made the playoffs. And so I, I look at the way that he's played, he's playing at an MVP type level. Like there's no question about that. And I know he's obviously he's not going to win the MVP, but to see what he's done with that offense tells you that he is a way better better fit for that offense than, oh, I don't know, the guy that they're paying over $230 million to, all guaranteed, mm -hmm. by the way, in Deshaun Watson. And to me, this is a when you look back on the signing, like Kevin Stefanski had success in Minnesota with what quarterback? Oh, I don't know, Kirk Cousins. And is there anybody that is more unlike Kirk Cousins than Deshaun Watson? And is there anybody that is more like Kirk Cousins than Joe Flacco? And so this is where, like, they're an interesting story, not only for what they do this year, because if Joe Flacco takes them on a playoff run here, how do you not start Joe Flacco over Deshaun Watson? I don't care. You're in the business of winning football games. This is a sunk cost with Deshaun Watson at this point. If he's not the best quarterback on the roster, he can't start. And so do I think that's going to happen? No, because teams will continuously be stupid. But Joe Flacco has proven that he's still an NFL quarterback. And in the right system, he can do really great things. Like, I did not survive Amari Cooper week in the playoffs. I can tell you that. Because Amari <laughs> Cooper with Joe Flacco is a beast. And when you look at you know, what Amari Cooper's done. He's kind of turned back the clock a little bit with Joe Flacco. And, you know, you could say the same thing that Joe Flacco's turned back the clock a little bit. I think the Browns are a really scary team. I don't think you want to play them in the playoffs, to be quite honest. No, it kind of feels like a team that's got nothing to lose, a quarterback that's won a Super Bowl before, and a defense that at times has been really dominant. And they're in a, a unique position where it's like, yeah, okay, we didn't win – uh, a bye week like the Ravens did to start the playoffs, but we still get to take the regular season finale off and be rested for the postseason. I'm kind of with you. I didn't know that I would say that at any point this year, but yeah, I don't know how much I would love if my team got matched up with the Browns next week heading into the postseason. It'd kind of be uh, at least a, a bit questionable given how many teams we know in the AFC sort of have their own problems and have their own question marks around them, Matty. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I mean, but, you know, with everything that's gone on, it just kind of speaks to just the volatility in the sport right now. And not that that's a bad thing, sure. because it certainly makes our jobs more interesting when teams go into the tank and then they come back and, you know, seem surprised. I think that's been the beauty of the NFL this year, honestly. Like, I, I, I think that's why it's been so intriguing to watch and I mean it's made my job a little bit more difficult on Sundays because like well all these teams are still in it so I got to still watch them um but yeah it's it's been on the most fun NFL season that I can remember in a long time it has been a blast and we still got lots to go uh Matt Marchese's along with us he's the uh, host of the fan checkdown on the Sportsnet radio network here Monday to Friday here on Sportsnet 
960 the fan as we look at the nfc playoff picture i can't help but think the the biggest talking point in the nfc right now has to be about the eagles and how i know there's not much to play for this week i guess there is still a a decent amount for them to play for but it's like you know even just to set the ship right heading into the postseason you got to pick up a win you got to do something against the giants here after that collapse against the cardinals last week at we were just kind of in cruise mode with Philly for the longest time, Maddie, and now there's some major question marks about that defense and how they're going to hold up against some really good offenses. Yeah, the funniest thing about this Eagles team to me is I remember asking the question at 10-1, and one, are they this good? Because they had kind of a soft schedule early on, and it wasn't it, – it, they cruised, right? There were a couple of games in there where they won, and you're like, okay, that's fine. But – in the tougher part of the schedule, they played well. It's as the schedule got easier later on that they've struggled, like the Arizona Cardinals. Like, really? Are we really talking about this game? And then, you know, they get they get dismantled a bit by the Cowboys in what was not a very interesting game. And you look at it and say, well, the offense is this kind of okay. And Devontae Smith won't play this week. Like they still have a division to play for. There is still a chance that the Cowboys go out and cowboy and they lose to the commanders. Do I think that's likely? No, I don't. But I look at it and say, okay, they still got a division to play for. There's no Devontae Smith. There's no Darius Slay this weekend against the Giants. Could you not see Tyrod Taylor going out and having a day against the Eagles D. And then you say, well, that's not how you want to go into the playoffs. <laughs> like the secondary's not good. The linebackers are not good. They can win at the line of scrimmage with their defensive line. But after that, there's not much else there. And that to me is a big, big problem. We, you know, we talked a lot about over the course of the season, like the importance of coordinators and when they leave. And you're seeing that like Jonathan Gannon was persona non grata at the end of last year in that Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Defensive coordinator, he got absolutely roasted, okay? And so he leaves, and now you're looking at it going, well, hold on a second. We kind of missed that guy. And then he ends up being the coach that beats you in a game that really matters on a team that, well, let's face it, isn't very good. And then you look offensively, and Shane Steichen is having a ton of success with the Indianapolis Colts, and Nick Sirianni, the head coach, is looking going, well, we're – where did where did all my guys go? Like he he looks like Will Smith at the end of Fresh Prince when all the furniture's gone and Eddie's looking around and he's like, oh, where did everybody go? That's Nick Sirianni right now. All his coaches are gone and he has had you know yes they had they've had a great season win loss record but that win loss record is so much like the Vikings last year. You look at the point differentials; they've won a lot of close games and a lot of close games against bad teams as well. Like let's not let's not forget. Um, they've gotten blown out a couple times, but they've also had a couple of close games against Washington. One went to overtime. Another one was down to the wire, a a Washington team. That's not very good. So I think the Eagles are in a boatload of trouble. Who would you give the the coaching nod to who's done the better job? Uh, Would it be Sean McVay with the Rams or Dan Campbell with the lions this season? Boy, I I love Dan Campbell, um, but Dan Campbell was showing this last year, right? Like the way that they finished the season, they were arguably the best team in football when they were finishing the season. They just didn't get into the playoffs. So I saw a carry over there. And the reason why I will say it's Sean McVay is I had the Rams 
at the bottom of the division with the Cardinals. I thought they were going to be really bad. I didn't think uh, Sean McVay would be back. I didn't think Matthew Stafford or Cooper Cup or Aaron Donald would be back. I thought this was going to be a complete reset of the franchise. And here they are with, um, you know, a, a lot of draft picks and that have panned out fifth round picks. Kyron Williams being one of them. And Matthew Stafford playing at a level that we haven't seen since he was in Detroit. Puka Nakua's hit. Like, they've done a really good job. So, for me, it would be Sean McVay. And that's saying a lot because of where my expectations were, but also how much I absolutely love Dan Campbell. Yeah, the both of them are, are good stories. But I couldn't agree with your point on the Rams more. And I like that they kind of poked fun at it on social media because you're right. I think there was a lot of questions about this group had their Super Bowl and – haven't really been in that same sort of mentality since. And it, I imagine it's hard once you've you've reached the pinnacle to have that same sort of drive. But they've been good this year. They're still they're a team I wouldn't necessarily love to to see in the postseason if I'm an NFC team because uh, that experience that we've talked about. And we know Sean McVay's you know one of those well thought of coaches when it comes to game planning. And Aaron Donald can still be a force. They're an interesting crew in all of this as well. And uh, I can't help but wonder what kind of matchup is is going to favor them as we get into these sort of postseason matchups. And then there's still the conversation to be had about the last two teams fighting for an NFC playoff spot. You got the Packers and the Buccaneers. Buccaneers in a better spot is a, a win in their in kind of situation. And there's another team, Maddie, that I don't think anybody had on their bingo card coming into this season as a group that was going to do anything, let alone make the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean a peach matchup for the Bucks this week too, right? Like yes. the Carolina Panthers. They st- <laughs> well, they're a disaster. They got <laughs> shut out by the Jags with CJ Beathard last week. That's where we're at. Uh Baker Mayfield's played himself into a a, a contract extension. Uh if it's not with the Bucks, he's going to certainly get a starter job somewhere. He's been really good. And we had Mark Tressman on the show yesterday and he talked about, you know, not QB development is not linear, right? And QB development is not the same for everyone. And we've seen that with Baker Mayfield started out great as a rookie. And now, um, you know, he had the shoulder issue. He's had, he's had a bunch of different things go on. And then he's, you know, shuffled from the Browns to the Panthers to the Rams. And now he ends up in Tampa Bay in a system that really works for him. And he's been great. Like, okay, great. Maybe a, a little bit hyperbolic, but he's certainly been way better than expected. I guess great based on expectations. And so I think that the Bucks are, if they could get any semblance of defense, like if their secondary can do something for a change, I think the Bucks are not going to be an easy out. Do I see them making a long run? No, but I think this season is something to build on, especially considering, again, that was another team that I didn't have anywhere near the playoffs. I thought Atlanta and New Orleans were going to kind of run away with the division and Carolina and the, and the Bucks would be near the bottom. And yet here we are, like they're able to do something. This this speaks to the job that Todd Bowles has done as well. Like I think Todd Bowles is a good coach. And I think that, you know, when you look back on his tenure in the NFL, I think some, you know, with the Jets, he got a raw deal. And, and then he goes to Tampa and he's the DC. And he's kind of just given the job because Tom Brady didn't want Bruce Arians. And a lot of people thought, well, maybe it's not so deserving, but this coaching job that he's done with this team to have them within one win, a win and you win the division game. Um, that's pretty impressive to me in a year where he doesn't have Tom Brady and he's got Baker Mayfield coming into a new system uh, and all these injuries on the offensive line too. Uh, really impressive job all around by the Bucks. 
on the other half of that Packers Bears matchup, you and me have talked about this for a while, but it's been made official since we last chatted. The Bears will have the first overall selection, and with that comes the decision of do you keep Justin Fields and build around him, or do you take a quarterback with that first overall selection? Where have you leaned the last couple of weeks, Manny, since we haven't had that opportunity to talk about it? And I guess, is there anything left for Justin Fields to do this week that would sway your decision one way or another? Well, I can tell you this. If he goes out and beats the Packers in Green Bay and Lambeau and they don't get into the playoffs because of it, I think I think Bears fans would burn down Hallis Hall uh, if he's not the quarterback because <laughs> yeah. that gains a lot of traction for you it does. as a player. Um he, there's nothing for him to prove. He's shown the wow moments. He's shown that he can be elite. He's shown that he can be a very good quarterback in this league. And I'm not saying elite all the time, but he's had elite moments. He's had elite games. He's made plays where you go, wow. Um, here's the thing. If you go out and draft Caleb Williams and you and you he's another rookie coming in. And honestly, I don't know that Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in this draft. And people are going, oh, oh my God, what a hot take. I don't know that that's the case. Michael Penix is really good. Uh, Drake May is really good. Jaden Daniels is really good. Like there's, there's, this is a good quarterback group. Bo Nix is good. Not that he's going to go first overall, but I look at it and say, if somebody's going to offer you a bounty, because the the bar has already been set with the Carolina Panthers and what they paid. And by the way, uh, last time I checked, the Bears were on the receiving end of that, and it worked out really well. Um, I don't know how you don't trade the pick. Trade the trade down to three. Somebody is in love. It's if it's Washington at two or or New England at two or three, whatever the case may be. Maybe it's the Giants. Somebody wants to move up to that slot. Go for it. Pay me the bounty. I'll draft Marvin Harrison. I'll build my team. I will. I will add guys on defense on the offensive line. I will add a center. I will make my roster so much better because the value of the number one pick is way more than Justin Fields at this point. This is a no-brainer for me. If they don't keep Justin Fields and they draft a quarterback at number one, I think they've set themselves back another three years. Because DJ Moore is looking at this going, really? Like, I just got here. I had a really good season with this guy, and now all of a sudden you're going to change it on me? And we can't bring in another guy to help me on the other side of the field? And we didn't bring in anybody else on defense? To me, it's a no-brainer. If Ryan Poles does not trade the pick, I think it's a it's a massive massive mistake by the Bears. Does the the conversation about resetting rookie contract at quarterback intrigue you at all in the conversation, or are you just look? You're gonna have to pay for a good quarterback sooner or later. Go with Justin Fields and continue to to use your value saving somewhere else, like say with a Marvin Harrison Jr. or someone else. Well, they're gonna make a decision on Justin Fields on his fifth year option. And I think that's thirty million. I'm not I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think it's thirty million. And then they can franchise tag him after that. They can franchise tag him again after that if they wanted to. And then they can make a decision on an extension. And by that point, who knows where the cap is gonna be at in the NFL in this multi-billion dollar industry. So it doesn't it doesn't resonate with me because Rookie quarterbacks are going to go through their growing pains as well, right? Like, not everybody's going to be C.J. Stroud or Andrew Luck when they come into the league. Like, some guys are Peyton Manning when they come into the league. Some guys are Ryan Leaf when they come into the league. And they don't end up, like, you know what you have in the building. And so, the Justin Fields conversation is, you don't really have to make a decision on an extension for another two seasons. Like, that's kind of where the Bears are at. And, And resetting that that quarterback contract 
I mean, if you're a team that the Bears are, the Bears could finish eight and nine here. And, and that's a really good record considering where we thought they were at the beginning of the season. Justin Fields has shown that he can be that guy. So I don't love it, uh, especially because you have a guy that has proven that he can be really good. Um, it doesn't resonate with me either because the Bears have cap space right now and they're going to have cap space in two years unless they go and blow their brains out in free agency, which they may or may not. But as of right now, I, I just don't see the need for it. It's going to be an interesting conversation and uh, one that we'll watch for the next couple of months as the Bears uh, make their final decision. But we got football uh, that matters when it comes to the playoffs the next couple of weeks. Uh, Maddie, appreciate the time. Thanks for grinding out with me, pal. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, hey? Yeah, sounds good. Enjoy the weekend, pal. Take care. Matt Marchese joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. He's the host of the Fan Check Down on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We will take a break, come back on the other side, closing out the show on a Friday here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Quick reminder, we are looking for two beer league teams to participate in the Sportsnet 960 Beer League broadcast. March 22nd at Flames Community Arena. We need two amateur teams to join us on the ice and have your game broadcast over the Sportsnet 960 airwaves. If your team is selected, you can look forward. We're going to have celebrity refs like Brent Cron at Paul Cruz last year. We have an after party set up with our friends at Wild Rose Brewery. We have intermission games for the audience members and family members in attendance. We got custom jerseys ready for both teams as well. You can enter your team at sportsnet.ca slash 960. We'll choose the winning teams and contact them on February 2nd. This event brought to you by our good friends at Wild Rose Brewery, serving up premium craft beer to Albertans since 1996. Whether you're looking for a finely tuned craft lager or a robust porter, they've got something for everyone. Find them around Alberta and at their tap room in the Curry Barracks. Slogan Gordon along with you, putting the bow on a Friday show here. Of course, no Flames hockey tonight. They are set for two early games, Saturday and Sunday. Tonight on the Sportsnet Television Network, though, you can catch Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks in New Jersey to take on Jack and Luke Hughes. That is a 5 o'clock puck drop. You also got the Canes. And the Capitals at 5 o'clock. Jets are in Anaheim to take on Frank Vetrano, the all-star of the Anaheim Ducks, at 8 o'clock. Flames and Flyers kick off the Saturday schedule at 11 a.m. here on Sportsnet 960. The fan that means Flames warm-up with a well-rested Pat Steinberg starts at 10 a.m. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call at 11. You watch that across the Sportsnet television network and then into Chicago for an afternoon start on Sunday against Bedard and the Blackhawks. That one, a 1 o'clock start on Sunday. Flames warm up at noon with Steinberg for a little back-to-back action to close out this four-game road trip for the Calgary Flames, which has started out nicely with back-to-back wins, one in mini, one in Philly. I imagine we'll see a goaltending split after Dan Vidar picked up the win against Nashville. Um, of course, Jacob Markstrom has been fantastic for the Calgary Flames since coming back from injury. He's got a 4-2 record since his uh, return from a broken finger. So that's your flame schedule this weekend. Did want to mention as well, uh, this was happening live during the show today. Congratulations to Team USA. They down the home team Sweden in the championship game. They're gold medal winners. They uh, win 6-2 is your final score. 
uh, World Junior Hockey Championship gold to the Americans. Uh, great roster and uh, strong performance in the gold medal game. So USA wins gold, Sweden wins silver, and earlier today, Czechia took down Finland to win bronze. So those are your top three at the World Junior Hockey Championships. Uh, of course, well, we've been talking lots about the Calgary Flames and their winning streak of late. Uh, there's been a lot going on around the team as well. Namely, on Thursday, Elias Lindholm's selection to the All-Star game was one that caught some people off guard. That's been a big talking point on the show today. And there's still the looming cloud of potential UFAs as the trade deadline draws ever closer. Those are some of the topics that our NHL insider Frank Saravalli dived into with Russick and Rose on the big show a little bit earlier on today, starting with perhaps a case to be made for Jacob Markstrom's name to have been on the all-star ballot for the Calgary Flames. Frank talks about that and more on the uh, latest on some of the Flames pending UFAs and the trade discussions around them. Here's uh, Frank Cervalli from Daily Faceoff with Russick and Rose earlier on Friday. When you look at his totals relative or numbers relative to everyone else, Sure, he's, he's he shouldn't be grabbing one of those goalie slots. But if I see Elias Lindholm's numbers, I'm like, <laughs> he's not even leading his team in scoring. Well, look at some of the other guys that were picked, Boone Jenner, yeah. and I mean, this is yeah. this is the problem that you back yourself into when you have to pick one player from every team. Mm. I am looking forward to the skills, though, Frank, because I think that actually could be really good this year. It should be. I mean, you've got buy-in from guys like Connor McDavid who helped put the thing together. There's a million bucks on the line. And I think the biggest thing is once you're in it, you know that you're not sitting out events. Like you're you're going for six or whatever the number of events is, and then they're going to eliminate guys. I think the competition is going to ramp up as you continue from event to event. Like guys are – whether there's a million dollars on the line or not, guys – are inherently competitive and I think you're going to see part of that. And the fact that it's in Toronto, a place where people will appreciate it, like mm-hmm. no offense to Florida or wherever it's been the last few years, just it's not the same. It's going to actually mean something. Are you more excited for the new all-star competition or the return of the draft? Probably the skills. Yeah. Unless they really find a way to spice up the draft and, I'm curious to see who the celebrity captains are going to be. Four drink minimum? Well, then that would be different. <laughs> but I think they're trying to get away from that. Lame. That was one thing that they didn't like about Lame. The, the, the end of the draft. It did get a little stale when they were doing it. Mm. Yeah. Like, mm. is is it going to be an actual celebrity or like, like C-list celebrities who host the NHL awards? I think Keenan Thompson's a big celebrity. You're not giving him enough. No, credit. he's not. No. I, I don't know. I, I think they're shooting for A-list. My guess is they're going to try and get Bieber and whoever mm. else they can get their hands on. Okay. Will Arnett. Well, that would be good. Like, Will Ferrell's a big Kings fan. Uh, I, this is going to make me sound so old, but who was the pop star that was at the Flames game the other day? Tate oh. McRae. Tate McRae, like apparently she's going to be one of the captains. Oh, really? Hell yeah. That's breaking news. 
I, I, uh, that, that was the rumor. I'm yeah. not breaking that news. That was the rumor that okay. she's going to be the right. captain. So get, get the tweet ready. Or at least participating in some way in All-Star Weekend. So, okay. uh, again, that's going to make me so old because I don't know who that is. But um, That's okay. Yeah. You still got a lot Just of Riz. Just trying to do what I can to help Frank. you. That's all. You still got a lot of Riz, Frank, so don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, Frank Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> NHL daily face-off, uh, courtesy of our friends at South Trail Exports. Um, I hope people LA are Friedman. cringing for me. Yeah, as, as yeah, I like it. But I like awkward and cringy. I like it. It's it's one of the one of the one of the underrated things of uh, life. It's like one of the pillars of our show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> awkward and cringy. It's what we built a three-hour show upon. Um, Frank wanted to ask you, your colleague Elliot Friedman had something interesting to say that oh, maybe the Devils are interested in Jacob Markstrom. Do you think that's possible? I think it's possible. It would make sense that the Devils, a team that's really struggled with goaltending, not just this year, but the last few years, would like to try and shore that position up. Um I think the big thing is the cap hit and it's not just for this year, as you know, it's the next couple that yeah. I think it makes it a really difficult transaction to make unless the flames are willing to retain. And if that's the case, you know, is that in Calgary's best interest? You know, of course it opens up a hole for Wolf to come in and, uh, and to do his thing, but at the same time to be carrying retained money for the next couple years, I don't know. It, it would really depend on what that return looks like in order to have that make sense for me. Yeah. Do, do we even know what goalies are worth now, Frank? Cause Not much. Was like, mm. yeah. Like, and, and Jacob Marstrom, like, like Maddie likes to say, probably a top eight goaltender in the NHL and a guy that could give the devils uh, an even better chance of winning the Stanley cup, especially in a matchup with somebody like, you know, Sturkin in the playoffs or who knows, even Sorokin, who knows, uh, just uh, in that division, obviously goaltending is an issue for the New Jersey Devils. Like what, what would that cost? And would it be a higher return if the Flames are willing to eat a ton of money here, at least at least 50% of it? It's interesting that you pick top eight as a goalie because that's exactly what he's paid by cap hit is eighth. Mm. Um, I think the return is the part the teams are really struggling with. I truly believe mm. that this summer we're going to see a massive market correction in in what goalies are paid because I think for the most part, unless you're really in the top five, and some of the guys that are in the top five aren't even playing like they or aren't even being paid like they are, you, you, I think teams are realizing that you can get mostly the same or similar from guys that make two million bucks or three million bucks. So. Uh, Basically, what I'm saying is outside of Vasilevsky, the two guys in New York, Shesterkin and Sorokin, Hellebuck, I'd probably include, no, I'd definitely include Thatcher Demko, but I'd probably consider Jake Ottinger in that group. Mm -hmm. I mean, outside of those guys, are you really, how, how much of a difference maker are you getting? That's the question teams have asked themselves. And when you've got, six million bucks committed to Jacob Markstrom. It's a pretty significant chunk of your cap when you're seeing a couple teams right now go with a million five or two and a half million bucks in goaltending total. Yeah. 
it's going to be fascinating to watch. I just think that if you're Jersey, there's one thing you're missing there, and he's probably the best one that's available. Um, I, I'm going to push back against that, though, because I, I think it's way more than one thing that they're missing. The defense? I, I don't think there's been a, a, yeah, a proper um, recognition of the holes in their blue line. It, you know, it was one thing to say goodbye to Damon Severson and to Ryan Graves in the summer and trying to replace those two pieces. But then now you've taken Dougie Hamilton out for the rest of the year with the mm-hmm. torn pec muscle. And all of a sudden that's half of your blue line from last year. I mean, who's their number one defenseman right now? Luke, is it, Luke is it Hughes? Luke Hughes? It, it, it might be. Yeah. That's Does that look like a Stanley Cup contender to you? Uh, re- well, you start looking at other teams, what, even what in if the they Metro, added Noah Hannafin? How are they getting out of the division? Yeah. 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 Well, like, that's kind of where I was going to go with this. Like, even when Zadorov's name was out before he got dealt, I know Kevin Weeks had linked the Devils to Zadorov. Like George just said, is there maybe a fit there with a guy like Noah Hannafin? I've looked at the Stars as maybe a fit as well. Who are some of the teams that you could see? Uh, are not only interested in his service, but realistic about acquiring someone of his caliber. Yeah, I could see the Devils being in that group. I think they've got a lot of work to do on that blue line, as I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he would make a lot of sense there in terms of the way he plays stylistically and fitting in with you know, being someone that could get the puck to their forward group. Um, I think he'd be a pretty pretty good stylistic fit for sure. And And then... You throw in the cap hit, the money that they've got available to replace via Dougie Hamilton's LTIR money. Like you, you start to connect the dots, and that that'd be a really good one. In a similar vein, um, do you know any teams that are looking for like a penalty kill specialist, shutdown type of defenseman? Any teams that come to mind when we talk about that type of a player? I mean, everybody. Yeah, who who isn't interested in that? I mean, I think Toronto's interested in a defender like that. I would say Edmonton is. Um, I'd add in maybe the Canucks would would certainly be interested in a, in a defenseman like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the list is probably pretty long. Obviously, I'm talking about Chris Tanev here. Um, I wanted to ask you about Elias Lindholm as well. How about teams that are looking for a, a nice two-way centerman that could go power play one, penalty kill one? Who's in the market for that? Oh, I don't know. Boston, Colorado. Um, go through the list. I mean, that's there's always teams that are looking for that. Winnipeg? And, and, you, and you guys would say number one center – I think he's the ideal two C on a cup contender. Is that to go along that, with the fair. theme of your text line? Is that does that make sense? Mm-hmm. No, that that to me that makes total incomplete. He's he's a very good number two on a very good team. Just like Nazem Kadri is a great two on on a team that's got a true superstar number one center, especially uh, the at name like Bowen, two and a half, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the name Bowen Byram uh, is a name that. Uh, Flames fans are fantasizing about with the deal with the Avalanche. Is that even possible? I think it's possible. I think there was some thought that last summer the Avs would have to make some tough decisions with their blue line, and they were able to avoid that with Landis Cobb not coming back this year. And 
that part has been, you know, he, he's a really talented player and someone that um, I think at times kind of gets lost in the shadow of the rest of the guys on Colorado's blue line, that if he was given some more opportunity and if he's, if he had, you know, not missed chunks of seasons due to some health issues with the concussions that I think he'd probably be thought of a bit differently around the league, but you know, there was some thought, was it Bowen Byram? Was it Sam Girard? You know, who is going to be the guy to go on Colorado's blue line? And right now they've been able to keep everyone together. And I think the one big thing for them, at least as I've talked to some people around the league, the abs aren't happy with the production that they've gotten from Ryan Johansson. And so that part hasn't worked out. I think we were all thinking a shot in the arm, you know, based on the way things ended in Nashville, that he'd be able to, you know, turn around his, his season, um, his counterpart. Um, Matt Duchesne has done that in Dallas and has been a great fit, but it hasn't worked out for Johansson in Colorado and they're left searching for a center. I think the bigger thing is how much is, is Colorado willing to spend? Because if you're plying off or pr- plucking off pieces from your team, like a Byram in order to do that, are you really actually strengthening your team? And I know that they've got a pretty solid back end, but my understanding is they're not they're not really that interested in moving pieces from their roster to do it, that they'd much rather trade futures. There you go. Daily face-off insider Frank Cervalli joining the guys on the big show earlier this Friday. If you want that whole conversation, you can check it out on the big show podcast wherever you get your favorite pods. Lots there on the Flames All-Star selections and some on their pending UFAs and their trade status going forward. Uh, Ending the show off on a Friday, we have uh, a bittersweet goodbye to say. Uh, Cam and Taylor have been the outstanding producer duo on this show for a very long time now. How long has it actually been, Cam? Like it's been Just over, over a, year. a year and a half, I think. Yeah, um, it's been a blast. And today, we say a, a, a early-ish goodbye uh, to Taylor, who is uh, heading east to uh, head back to school, and uh, won't be around the station as often over the next little while. Uh, so, Taylor, first of all, thank you for everything that you did here you've been a blast to work with um the station will miss you no doubt we'll miss your coordination well this place is going to get dirtier immediately um one of taylor's massive accomplishments has been to uh keep us slobs under order here at uh, the 960 station and actually have it smelling less like a men's locker room we have and a recycling bin yeah we've done incredible we've honestly taylor's accomplished more things here um, than many have. Uh, we have fun signs. Uh, the Dennis Gilbert fan club will no longer be the same. Um, but overall, um, we had a little present for you earlier from Pat and Vickers and Wes and myself and Cam and Art. But uh, I just wanted to take a second on the air to thank you for all of your contributions over the last year. It's been a blast working with you. We wish you absolutely nothing but the best in Toronto. Uh, you have to promise to keep in touch with us. Uh, despite wanting to move on to bigger and better things, okay? I'm crying. Are you actually? No. <laughs> I didn't think so. I have no emotions. No, you don't. Uh, you will be closer to Kevin Biggio, though. 
Yep. That's good great, news. Great observation. I'll we get, can bring I'll get an you apartment on. right <laughs> right next to the Rogers Center. I'll watch all of the games. We'll have to bring you back. on for live Jays reports. Exactly. See? We'll have to do that as well. So uh but honestly, it's been a it's been a blast to have you around. Thanks for everything. Uh, I know it's not officially goodbye because you're still gonna be around um in a smaller capacity until you officially head out east, but it's your last your last gig with me and Cam, so I wanted to make sure that we uh, took a second to say thank you and how much we're going to miss you. And uh, Cam, I'm sure you'll you'll miss her more than anyone over there as your uh, right hand man. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be tough not being able to ask her if if a guest is booked when I asked her yesterday and she said yes uh, because I forget everything, so it'll be tough. Yeah, that'll be the biggest one is who will be there to moderate our fights. We'll be there to for Cam to annoy and sing to on a daily basis. It's gonna be a big change. It's gonna be different. This place is gonna take a bad turn. It's gonna smell. It's gonna reek. <laughs> My little scent thing is still here. Yeah, but we don't know how to refill it. We don't know how to get another one if that one stops working. What are we gonna do? There are so many people that you can ask over me. <sighs> It's just not going to be the same. We'll miss you, Taylor. Thanks for everything. Well, thank you for this lovely year and a half. It's been great. I'm going to miss it. My life is going to be less fun. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> it's going to be so much better. You can't even imagine. You're going to have to pay PST in Toronto? Yuck. Yikes. Yeah, but again, she's closer to Kevin Biggio, so it's all good. We're going to become besties and I'll... Give Get him on the show, the- then. Exactly. You can convince him to come on the show. Yes. Okay. I'll do my best. Thanks, Tay. Uh, appreciate everything that she's done. Appreciate uh, all of our guests today as well. Uh, Matt Marchese joining us. Jackie Spiegel as well. If you missed any of it, check us also on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. Enjoy two Flames games this weekend. We'll be back on Monday to break it all down. Enjoy your afternoon. We've got Calgary Hitman Hockey on your radio tonight. Flames Talk with Steinberg and Vickers coming your way as well. Have a great Friday. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.